can't believe I'm a dog. Oh, that's messed up. A magic curse. I gotta get help now. One chance to break the spell. Find true love is the only way. It will be the quest of a lifetime. Please help me find a real man. Oh. She's the one. There are no real men. I'm right here. It's not easy to be a homeless dog, is it? How about being my roommate? Why don't we call you Prince? That's what I'll do. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Deciders Club number 15 with me, Guy Montgomery. And me, Tim Bat. Uh, the Deciders Club, for those of you who are listening, you already know what it is. Uh, but for those of you who are listening at a different time who don't know what it is, pretty much on the Patreon, uh, certain subscribers get to choose the movies we watch and discuss. And can I say that this time around, we have been given a real gift. Uh, both Tim and myself, uh, who are uh, separated by quite a substantial amount of land and ocean presently, have just watched the 2011, presumably self-funded and created, uh, rom-com Love on a Leash, uh, the blurb of which is, Love takes a fairy twist in the slice of romantic comedy. A young woman falls for a stray dog with a secret. By night, it becomes a man. Follow the journey of the golden retriever and the friend who gives him a home. Uh, hiya, Tim. How are you? I'm so confused about this film. The good thing yeah. about it was, Guy... It's right up there on YouTube. Someone's just chucked it on and the production sort of company and people around it, um, I don't think are up to like Sony standards where they've got that content ID copyright thing where it just pulls it off of YouTube. So are you, it's just are you, are you suggesting that Phoenix Pictures spelt F-E-I, F-E, sorry, N-I-X and maybe not operating you know, in the same wavelength as some of the bigger distributors? Uh, I am suggesting that, yeah. yeah. And do you know what one of the early tip-offs for me was? The fact Tell that me. there's no music in this film. <laughs> ah, there is one brief flash of music when the dog goes to uh, turn the television off during an advertisement or television show. They play recognisable snippets of China Girl by David Bowie. Uh, and, and what is potentially a problematic sort of... Uh, bit of filmmaking but that's that's all for later not only do they not use music tim um i mean you're a guy who notices audio detail you know much more closely than i do uh (laughs) what was going on with the uh (laughs) the mix on this thing they just i think they just forgot to add a bunch of stuff in i mean like the number of times i had to because I was listening on my, I was uh, watching on my, on my Bluetooth headphones, and the number of times I thought that they were malfunctioning because there'd be <laughs> like huge chunks of, not even just like uh, you know gentle silence, but like white noise level silence, and I'd be like, oh, that's weird, I've lost the connection, so I'd turn them off just to watch it through my laptop speakers so I could hear you know what was happening but oh no no that's just how they've mixed that bit and it just happens ad finitum throughout the movie like over 20 but more times than I care to count 
It's innovative. That's an innovative way to mix a film. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you constantly thinking about uh, your position with the film, your relationship with it. But Absolutely. it was deeply bad. If there's a word I could choose to describe the sound mix, it would be bad. Uh, and what about if this, you were given given the rights to choose a, a word to describe the movie as a whole? Um, I think I'd stick with confusing, to be honest. I think, as, yeah, yeah. As you I'm understand it, confusing. Mm. what is the, the plot of the film? This film is all about the question, have you ever wanted to fuck a dog a little, just a little, little bit? Have you ever seen a gorgeous golden retriever and been like, I know society's norms and culture's mores in 2018, but I kind of a little bit want to fuck that dog. And then this movie sets out to provide a premise to fulfill that um that wish so it's about a dog who's also he used to be a man but he was a playboy he 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 messed around you know cheated on women uh man about town and he got cursed to live as a dog until he could find true love so he got transformed into a golden retriever and when he's as a golden retriever, he is incredibly sassy. He's like some kind of downtown Los Angeles comic or something. He's like working out a lot of material. How would you describe this dog's personality? Uh, almost like, I, 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 yeah, it's it's full of quips. Obviously made only to itself. Is, uh, the inner monologue of the dog is constantly running uh, and sort of, I mean, the less the less questions asked about, you know, how he became reincarnated as a dog, and uh, what his relationship to that is, the better, because they're not necessarily clearly defined. And I, I think that the movie does very well to gloss over that, because uh, it's he sort of flits between lusting after woman and being confused, like sort of being like, "Oh, I'm a dog," like knowing he's a dog and being okay yeah. with it, and then discovering he's just become a dog. Uh, and one a line that really elicited a big laugh from me is when the dog says, uh, I can't remember, there's someone who said some line about who they are, and then the dog said, big deal, I'm Alvin Flang, which is presumably the name of the, the person who he was as a playboy when he was reincarnated, is it? But then he turns out his name's Prince, but the name, uh, the name Alvin Flang for me is just like... <laughs> That is a panic. That is you try to make up a name on the spot. Because this is something I've do- I used to do when I was younger is I'd always try and make up names like and say them out loud to see if I could make up convincing names. Alvin Flang. <laughs> <laughs> like 50% of this movie is recorded in ADR, uh, probably on a Yeti surrounded by egg cartons, not unlike when we first got together and started recording, you know. Uh and Alvin Flang is very much a first go around at making up a name. I get the sense that this this movie was uh, like put together and then given to a comedian uh, who was in a voiceover booth, and maybe they had free license on the script as well. Because all of the stuff that the dog says to me sounds like an ad lib, and he makes up these little songs. So you're just like watching the dog walking down the street for a bit, and his inner monologue 
plays through narration. He's just going like, I'm a dog, I'm a dog, and I got some sore feet. I'm a dog, and it's hot on the street. <laughs> it's, it's almost quite endearing, but it's, it's so tonally completely different from the rest of the film. It's almost an inspiring watch. You know, if anyone out there wants to make a movie but doesn't quite think they have the chops, I reckon a screening of um, Love on a Leash should be enough to push you over the edge. And also, it's not even done in a way that... um, I think it outstays its welcome slightly, but it is... It's fun. It's, uh, It's so stupid. And, like, it's so patchy that you almost forgive all of its myriad flaws and enjoy yourself. I had a really good time. And when I went on the IMDb, Tim, I was... <laughs> Great. At- I'm glad you were, you were going to IMDb because I just brought that up before. What were you struck I was with, Guy? blown away by its rating. And that's not to say that I think it's not worthy, but 9.7 <laughs> out of 10, as told by hmm, 5,010 users, seems incredibly high. <laughs> So I scrolled down to the trivia section and the second yes. piece of trivia out of two said, I don't know, the first piece of trivia is this movie was popularized by YouTuber Ralph the Movie Maker and when he told his fans to rate this movie a 10 out of 10, it resulted in his account being banned. So <laughs> <laughs> this guy must have had a pretty, pretty serious account. I don't know which account it was, but... I. So I, when I was looking up trying to find how to watch this movie, I saw like the first few minutes of that review, and it's pretty bloody good. And uh, oh, like I, I just saw the first couple of minutes, and there was a comment up the top that had uh, nine point seven out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> we did it, guys. <laughs> Some of the titles of the reviews that people have written are incredible. The Shape of Water we deserved. Love on a Leash <laughs> equals Citizen Kane for canines. <laughs> the good. Shape of Water but with a dog destined for glory. My name is Alvin Flang. It is honestly it's it's crazy and it's also current like a lot of these reviews and references are coming out are pretty recent. I love that. This film was um directed by a woman named uh Fen Tian, but she also goes by the name um Jennifer something as well I saw. Oh Jennifer Ten. Jen Ten. Uh a Chinese director, screenwriter and producer. She was born in nineteen thirty nine. Holy Shandong shit. province. How old is this woman? Nineteen thirty nine would put her at about eighty, I think. Okay, this is 20... Oh, man. My math ain't too hot. Okay, well, 31 to get to the year 2000 is 61 years. So she was 71 when she directed this. <laughs> Stupendous. In 1962, it's... she graduated from the drama department of Lanzhou Institute of Arts. Fuck, that's good. It's impossible to say when she wrote the film, but... Um... It's it's almost an evergreen in that the the themes it's dealing with, and sort of uh, it's it's refreshingly not dated by the use of modern technology. It lives outside of the bounds of uh, computers and phones, which is I here's think a, quite quite refreshing in this day and age. Here's a, 
a hot tip for filmmakers. Don't put any cell phones in your movies from here on in. Because what Guy and I have learned is for your film to gain that evergreen status, all you need to do is just leave out phones. Don't have them yeah. in there. And also fashion. Uh, so either go completely nude or sort of timeless, you know, slacks. Put everyone in like uh, mustard slacks and shirts. And that way uh, there'll be no confusing when it could be. Because it could be now, from any time. Quite a central part of the main character, whose who's name I forgot. Oh, Lisa. Um, Lisa's, a part of her core inner being is the fact that she loves the color green. Her apartment is green. Everything she wears is green. She drives a green V-Dub Beetle. Yeah. And it is never explained why this is the case. But the dog does take a couple shots at her. Think it, of the song Eiffel the- 65 and replace the titular cat or the character in that song's life uh change blue to green and you have i think a vague idea of just how much uh this character identifies with the color green and you're right apropos of nothing apart from maybe to to service the dog putting in a few shots um the the main sort of motivating factor it would seem for her desire to have a romance the dog's motives are clear the dog wants to become a man again and the only way to do that is to find true love and the, sorry, we didn't get into this earlier, but the reason he knows this is because a magical spirit that lives inside of the pool, the lake at the park, um, talks at, to him periodically. Echo Park in Los Angeles. I think in Silver Lake, it's Echo Park. It's a quite a famous park. You and I actually once took a, um, a spin in there in the, one of the paddle boats. We, uh, it was a very romantic afternoon. We paid whatever the appropriate cost was. We went out there. We uh, started playing music through our iPhones, or in your case, Androids, and uh, we burned one down in the name of Jar. <laughs> we it was sure a, did. It was a wonderful a lovely pedal. It was so good, very relaxing. Um, so it was, it was nice to see a little uh, touchstone in Tim and Guy's relationship on the silver screen. How much do you reckon this film cost to make? That's what I want to know. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you before, so you... No, no, that's okay. budget. Um, I, I'd say you wonder, don't you? Because on a lot of hands, you say less than $10,000. But the performance that they get out of this dog, this is like not an amateur movie-making dog. This feels like yeah. it's of quite a high pedigree, like it's done commercials. It's uh, incredibly well-heeled. So I would say they probably <laughs> spent uh, $20,000 maybe. You were a bit off, mate. There is an estimate here. Let me just check I've got the right movie. <laughs> oh, this one says documentary documentary family romance. Oh, oh no, this is this is something else I've stumbled into. Damn it. I was really hoping it was attached to this film because the um, particular short documentary that I'm seeing had an estimated budget of three and a half million and I wanted that to be true for this movie. We've just Jesus, seen. I wish... I would love, if um, that was the case, to go back through the movie and try and pick out where in Christ's name they put that $3.5 million. Easily six figures, though, Guy, because you get treated to um, some... Oh. Oh, no. They don't know either. Um, in the in the after-the-credits bloopers, you see not even funny moments, but just them making the movie. Uh, I don't know if you stuck around for that long. But there's obviously a lot of animal wranglers around. And, um, you know, they've got someone who's clicking that slate. So 
that's going to cost you money? I uh, I reckon it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I, I I'm almost uh, dumbfounded as to as to what to say about it. It it uh, like there are also like there, there are patches of really competent filmmaking buried amongst the 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 mess as well. But it's almost like none of the performers or you know uh, crew get to choose when they put together a string of competence. And so you'll get little flashes of like decent acting or even, uh, you know, like efficient script writing that sort of services the plot, uh, not just efficiently, but almost enjoyably. But they, they appear to uh, crop up at random, um, <laughs> which it sort of, it makes it like quite a, it's almost quite a, a, a jerky experience where it's like you'll, you'll be watching and really invested for a while, then your mind will wander and then they, they draw you back in. You watch this in two sittings, which I think is probably the, the perfect way to watch it. This is a movie of the, of the old school era. This is a movie that demands an intermission, time to maybe head out to the concession stand or the powder room, uh, refresh yourself, discuss some key plot points amongst uh, the, the high-end uh, bourgeoisie, who I assume you're at the screening of the film with, uh, and really to just unpack and enjoy the movie as it happens. Because even now, and I've literally just watched it, I can barely uh, remember enough of the stuffing they've put inside of this thing to to really uh, get into it with you, Tim. Like, while the dog is somewhat chauvinistic by turn, uh, it also, the, the movie, like, involves quite a lot of lecherous creepy dudes and sort of uh, dispatches them in quite a quite a decent sort of way well i don't think uh you can be too sparing of the dog as well because when it's in human form it's kind of this almost fabio monosyllabic very stupid but good looking human and when it's in dog form it's just full sass for example (laughs) she takes a big risk by bringing her lover the dog to her boss's sort of barbecue um, lunch by the pool in an attempt for her to get a promotion at the job she's got at the clothing department store, which is all going swimmingly. And it's a bit risky because the rule is, they've established, when the sun is shining, he will turn back into a dog. And that's why at night he is a man. So they figure it's a cloudy day. Maybe we can give this one uh, a bit of a hone. So they give it a hoon, and then lo and behold, the clouds like, break halfway through the lunch, it's and he turns into a dog. Like thinking you're not going to get sunburnt if it's overcast. It doesn't matter what the yeah. clouds are doing. You've got to be safe out there. You've got to be safe out there. So he turns into a dog. She, exasperated, jumps into the swimming pool, which is kind of an interesting way to react to everyone seeing your lover turn into a dog. And then the dog jumps in prince jumps in to save her because she can't swim (laughs) but he hates her he calls her a pizza faced cinder block as he's rescuing her (laughs) i mean if if your boyfriend turns into a dog and this is the one secret you've been trying to save from everyone it does make some semblance of sense to if you know you can't swim to jump into the pool and you know create some sort of diversion so that everyone's so distracted by this they're like oh could that was it just me or did just before Lisa started drowning, did her boyfriend turn into a dog? And the people who are on hand, including her boss and his partner and the, her, 
they're fucking lousy kids who would do well to be more like this man dog hybrid uh just stand by and like watch not even concerned almost just like huh that's what (laughs) drowning looks like they'd react to nothing they would be the worst people to be in a natural disaster. They just observe from the sidelines and talk about how shitty it is that the kids didn't pick up the family business. How he has to promote Lisa to the management position. Hey, can we talk about some of the other men? These other weird men. Um, so there's the guy who does... So that's the guy who owns the store, I think, is who we're dealing with there. But the guy that Lisa reports to immediately, who's like her manager, is a creepy dude who comes drunk to her apartment one night and tries to have sex with her he's a baddie but forcibly saved by the dog yes he the dog attacks him um but then there's also someone also yeah can i just quickly insert the dog attacks him and scares him off but then while uh i i'm calling it lisa i assume it's her name i might be wrong is uh, dealing with the trauma of the experience, the dog, still in dog form, tries to make out with her. And it's like, yeah, now it's yeah. my time. And also, her trauma is not even in response to the experience she's just had with this guy, her creepy boss who's come around and drunkenly sort of thrust himself upon her. It's to the fact that the guy who you were just about to talk about, as she's been on a few dates with, is gay. Yeah. Because she's, yeah. she's like so cradling herself in a fetal position going, Ken is gay, gay, why, why? There's another guy who she reports, they both report to at the store, it's like the store manager. Ken, is his name Ken? I'm making up pretty much <laughs> all the names I use. The dog's Prince, she's Lisa. We're going to call the store manager Ken. They go on a few dates. He's quite a sweet guy. I quite liked Ken. He's sort of the best character in the whole film. But it gets revealed on about the third date that actually he's gay and his family aren't okay with that. And he wants to have a family with uh, Lisa and sort of a sham marriage and give her a kid that they can raise together just to get everyone off his back a little bit. And I I tell you what, that combined with the... um, sort of borderline sexual assault scene there's some heavy themes that get thrown into this fantasy rom-com about a a dog trying to find love and i didn't hate it i was like you know this what is, why not let's this is, let's dig this into is kind it. of what i mean where it's like often when something's so patchy or like the tone is so all over the map you, you become like frustrated with the movie and you like know your limitations or know what you're trying to make but in this instance, it's just like it's all so cobbled together and ramshackle. You're almost like, yeah, put it in. <laughs> like, I would honestly encourage anyone to watch this movie. Um, I did it in Stone Cold Sobriety. If you want to uh, smoke some weed before or during. I mean, I can't imagine that hurting the experience whatsoever. This would be a wonderful film to watch over a few vinos, I think. If you got a nice Pinot Gris, if you're a fan of the whites, or perhaps a rosé if you're in the middle, or maybe a robust Merlot if you're a fan of the red like I am, and just plop down in your couch, chuck this on, and witness magic, because it truly is a magical film. The person I liked least was Prince in human form, for he was exceptionally boring. I also think they changed his voice. Like, it's like they cast Prince 
the whoever acted as Prince, you know, and did all those scenes, and then they were also shooting with the dog, and then when it came to doing the ADR where they'd voice over the dog, they found some like um, some sort of comic, and were like, "Can you oh, do?" Yeah. <coughs> because that was definitely a different person, it was a marked ch- change in voice. And I was like, I was genuinely really looking forward to seeing the 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 man behind the voice, uh, and was pretty upset. Are we sure that Prince wasn't played by a young Dave Franco? Uh, nothing's off the table, but I feel like that would probably be in the credits. I was look. Were you looking as well for Prince's dog voice person? Because uh, it was yeah. a completely different. It was like. When Prince is in human form, he had to stick to the script, and he got given um, not a not a lot to work with. But it, the guy was very boring. Who was portraying Prince? He's just a hot, handsome though. man, pretty hot guy. I'll give him that. But the voice, I think they got given maybe script notes or script guidance, and then they could just do whatever they want with it. And it made for quite a fun experience going back and forth. But their personalities were so disparate that it was quite hard to marry those two components into one character um we've also got paula she's she's a character in this film she's lisa's friend uh we're introduced to her while they're hanging out kind of in bikinis on a park um and she's trying to pick up some dudes she loves the men yeah and uh she's not afraid to talk about it which i love their friendship runs a little hot and cold for believability uh I guess, I mean, if you wind up falling in love with a, a person-dog hybrid, yeah, you are probably reluctant to share it immediately just because of the optics. Uh, but you'd what imagine guys you're- referring to is they have a massive falling out. Paula, Paula comes around because her car's broken down, which necessitates her staying at Lisa's house out of the blue without any warning. And Prince is in human form at that moment in time, so he has to hide behind a curtain. And uh, long story short, Paula finds him and then is deeply upset at Lisa for not sharing the news that she's finally found a man because Paula's tried to shunt this virgin, um, you know, she's tried to sling some dick her way for quite a while to no success. And she, they have a huge, huge Bust emotional up. moment about it, which really... I felt very annoyed by that moment because I was like, "This is this isn't warranted." Everyone starts crying. But I was like, it, "Oh come on, guys, sort but, it out." This and is, it, well, this like isn't needed. Even then, in terms of knowing how close they are, towards the end of the movie, Prince, um, I will put a spoiler warning on this for no real reason. But uh, <laughs> Prince, as a dog, because there's a lot of pressure also on Lisa from her mother and her mother's eccentric friend from a made-up place, presumably called Moldavia. Uh, Rita. Like, yeah, she's Rita, Eastern who's, European, we think. She's this big sort of character who keeps trying to push men upon Lisa. And, um, you know, uh, they eventually discover Prince as a man and then discover that Prince is both man and dog and uh prince like becomes ashamed of himself for for who he is and like runs away writing a note being like you deserve a a man who can give you children and uh they're both sort of uh, cast adrift they're both somewhat uh heartbroken wandering around los angeles before prince realizes he's sort of what am i doing i'm crazy i love this woman so he runs back 
uh, to see her and she spots him and they're running and running and running and they shoot like for just long enough that you're like this fucking dog's gonna get hit by a car and sure enough the dog gets hit by a car and we had to believe that Prince dies because of this car accident and so it's quite upsetting because um, you know you were rooting for these two to wind up together uh, and during that time you'd think this more than ever would be a time to turn to your closest friends uh, so that they can you know you can uh, they can help you through the hard times they can keep you company when you're feeling particularly low but multiple years later like over four children later, Lisa and her friend are reunited, uh, and the the topic of conversation and the way that they greet each other would suggest they haven't been in touch at all in the intervening years. Long enough for four children of varying ages, maybe one pair of twins, but at least three different ages amongst them. Uh, but Lisa do not- doesn't have any kids, I stress. This is all um, Paula's kids. Yeah. But do you not think that... I mean, the first thing I'd do if I lost the love of my life... Hold on, guy. <clears throat> this movie about a man-dog hybrid, and this is the bit of the story that you're like, lack of believability. Well, I just... I, the, just I don't quite understand their friendship. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, well, it's a complex one, that's for sure. Because I think um, she does refer to her... Lisa does refer to Paula as her best friend at some point during the film, but there's just scant little evidence to to provide for that. Look, it's not for us to judge relationships of other people from the outside. Um, even if you are a, a movie-going audience and this is in the film and you know, you're supposed to buy into it, there's not time to delve into all of this because we've got to cover so much ground inside of 90 minutes. There's a lot of story to tell. We've got a... Um, sort of a hopeless romantic who turns out to be gay who just wants to shield his private life with from his family we've got a bit of fun and games where prince discovers that uh he needs to as a husband for lisa provide for his family and pursues a career in acting and winds up on a television commercial fighting ninjas yeah that's all it's all in there that's what i was going to say it sticks out because it's the only bit of music in the movie uh, but when he's fighting ninjas, it is set to China Girl by David Bowie, which might be a coincidence, but it feels like quite an ignorant and pointed song choice uh, from the movie makers. Although, in oh, knowing you mean that, for ninjas, yeah, yeah, and knowing that the 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 screenwriter and director is uh, from mainland China herself, uh, maybe it's just sort of a an ironic wink. Uh, towards Western ignorance of uh, Eastern culture. Either way, what I love about it is it's a flagrant disregard for copyright because there is no way in hell they would have cleared a David Bowie song for this film which contains no other scoring or music whatsoever. That's brash and bold and confident and I love it. This is a confident film, eh? You could say a lot of bad things about it, but it is confident filmmaking, I think. There's a lot of swinging cameras. There's a lot of crazy lines. There's a lot of characters weaving in and out. We've got a scene where Lisa gets, uh, well, borderline kidnapped by Rita, stuffed into a car under false pretenses, and brought to a um, sort of a dinner dance hall where her mother's waiting. Seems like a nice little surprise dinner. Whereupon she's um, sort of clawed over by three or four men who Rita and her mother have paid to try and dance with Lisa because they're afraid she's going to wind up old and alone. Um, 
it's a bit of a nightmare scene, to be honest, just because it's... I mean, she really is treated like a piece of meat being thrown around by these dudes. And I, I guess it's to show what a nice lady her mum is, that she cares about Lisa, but, you know, it comes off a little bit differently for mine. Oh, that absolutely. being said, this film was made seven years ago. What a different world. Yeah, the the, the world turns pretty quickly nowadays, doesn't it, Tim? Uh it's it's just it's good dumb fun and it's there for free on YouTube. Don't even watch the whole thing. Just watch the trailer, uh, or or click on watch however much you feel like. Break it off into digestible segments. But it, watching the movie will do a better job of representing just how unique this cinema going experience is than Tim and I could ever hope to. Uh, can I it, can I just tell you about where my mind went during the ending? Because. So Paula comes back into the film right at the end and uh, her and Lisa are sort of, you know, catching up as it were. The kids are there and she's saying like, because Prince was reborn as this hybrid thing, as punishment from his previous life. And they're talking about, she said, the line's really weird. She's like, you know, if he was alive right now, he'd be our age. And I'm like, yeah, that's how fucking time works. It's like if Guy died three years ago, and then I said that now. It's like, yeah, time, just time marches on. I don't get it. But then her friend corrects her and Paula says, no, no, he, no, sweetie, if he was, like, born again now, it would reset or something, right? Am I remembering? <laughs> I was making a coffee at this point, so I sort of slightly I, diverted attention. No, I, I couldn't quite figure that out either. It's sort of genuinely shades of a conversation I overheard yesterday between two people. Uh, yeah, right. Where they were talking anyway, about the- dogs, and one of them was like, um, well, you know, like, when you leave the house, the reason that the dogs miss you so much is for you, it's like, it's just a regular work day, but for a dog, it's seven times as long, because one human year is seven dog years, and so the whole time, they're like, oh my god. And I could, So you've been like, gone for a week. Yeah. I I could follow that logic, and so as soon as uh, I heard the people in the movie talking about it, this was an improvised conversation between a, a waiter and a customer, by the way, that had a, a much sort of tighter world of uh, sensibility to it than the like culminative scene from this feature film. Um, Where my brain and worse. went during that conversation between Lisa and Paula is when Paula started going, no, sweetie, like, he'd be reset, so he would he would have to start again if he's reborn now. I went, huh. Is she going to fuck a baby? So or is a that puppy? where this movie's going? Yeah, or, a, or if he gets reborn as the same hybrid creature um, because his karma has come out completely neutral, so he just resets the clock as the same critter that he was before. She going to fuck that pup? Is that what the sequel is? Are we being treated to Love on a Leash numero two? Fuck that pup. Also, can I say for a movie that is called Love on a Leash, do we see love in the movie? You betcha. The feature of a leash? Not once. How dare you? Have you forgotten the scene where she puts a leash on him and they have uh, the start of quite raunchy sex? Oh, I have, obviously. That's awesome. 
Mate, they she gets a green lash, of course, and puts it on his neck while he's in human form. And, uh, I mean, it's an attempt at chemistry. I'll give him that. Didn't quite work for me. But I'm like, yeah, I see what you're getting at here. That's cool. Why does she love green there, so much? I don't know. But they really needed to put something in about uh, even a start of an explanation for it. There's really nothing. It's just there everywhere. And even the dog references it. I love how sassy this fucking dog is. The dog takes shots at the movie in his narration of the film. It's so good. It's it's highly meta. Anyway, in closing, this is the perfect film and everyone should see it. And not only that, but I'd like to double down on... Uh, what was that guy on YouTube? That real huge oh, dude who Ralph got his account banned? Ralph I want to double down on... Ralph's instructions. You need to give Ralph's this a, a movie maker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get on IMDb. It's it's the perfect film. Um, uh, it would get eleven out of ten for me if they had managed to put music in. And as Ralph pointed out in the opening couple of minutes of his review, it is confusing that there's a composer credit, considering there is not an iota of soundtrack to this thing. Uh, just quickly before we go, because I, I just was on the IMDb page to figure out. Um, <laughs> Uh, to figure out uh, what that YouTube account was called. The storyline... So I read the the synopsis that's at the top of the IMDb page when I was um, at the start of the podcast. The storyline just beneath it, underneath the featured cast, reads as such. Alien meets Transformers in this action-packed blockbuster by your boy M. Night Shyamalan when an alien starship threatens to destroy Earth, a team of misfit generic ordinary people is the only ones who can stop the invasion. Taglines, love at first bark. (laughs) God bless the internet. You people are fantastic. I was going to say animals, but it felt a bit on the nose. How do you get this movie legally? That's what I'd like to know because I want to. I want to. It's on Amazon. It's on on Amazon Prime. Oh, good shit! What a good acquisition. Nice one. It's huge. Uh, Well, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Be sure to tell us what to watch next time. Hopefully, you'll be as generous. I don't know where someone dredged this up from, but my god, you are dwelling in some pretty fucking cool corners of the internet. So, whoever you are, uh, please keep it up. The beauty of the Deciders Club as well is not only did someone fish this option out, but out of about seven or eight film choices, everyone rallied around this one as the top pick, which is why we've selected it democratically for our viewing. So that's how it works. Um, Everyone on the Patreon who gives over five bucks gets these episodes immediately as soon as they come out. We put them uh, quite a bit later on the free stream. And if you give 10 bucks or more uh, you're part of the deciders club and we do so appreciate all the supporters because it helps us continue to do this very important work uh guy it's always a pleasure likewise tim i wish you only the best love on a leash <laughs> you want dog food yeah i'm a dog genius <laughs>